Start it. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team fucking here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here, nigga. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here, nigga. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team fucking here. This is British Wrestling Spotlight on the IndieCorner.com. I'm Benno. And I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And guys, it's been 10 days since our last show. A uh, new record for us and getting a, a follow-up show out. And it's been a quiet 10 days, hasn't it? We've had uh, yeah. no uh, no feedback on the show, no uh, no controversy on Twitter. It's been uh, just one of our normal shows, hasn't I, it? I wish people listened to the show. I mean, it's just, it's just upsetting the way there was no responses whatsoever. Blimey. <laughs> It caused a bit of a stir. I mean, we're kind of used to being in our, our little bubble, aren't we? We put mm. these shows out and the, the kind of, we get a, a bit of feedback, but not lots and lots. But last week, by a pretty huge margin, it was kind of our, our biggest response we've ever had. And mm. we'll definitely uh, get to the the points that some people have uh, made in response to us and what we talked about last uh, 10 days ago on the last show about progress. Uh, but today we're also going to talk about a little bit about Pro Wrestling Eve. Um, but again, the, the headline story is progress. So... We should probably uh, get into it. I mean, as mm. we do. I mean, guys. Firstly, how are you, and uh, what did you make of it all? Um, um okay. Um, I think. Um, I personally, gotta say, enjoyed the show. Um, didn't think it was a bad show by any means. I didn't think it was an outstanding or blowaway show by any means either. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I thought the show was a decent show. Um, it actually exceeded my expectations slightly. I went into it with pretty low expectations, I've got to say, um, based on sort of my general enjoyment. Not so much my enjoyment of the shows recently, but just my enjoyment of the company in general and everything that surrounds the company. Um, so it did definitely exceed my expectations going in. Yeah, very similar. Um, I have to admit, when I went to the show, I was completely exhausted. I felt completely wiped when I'd gone in. And obviously, we'd said all the various things that we we had said about progress. So I kind of went in feeling kind of like it more felt like a contractual obligation that I should go. <laughs> but I've bought the tickets, so we're going to go. But yeah, as per usual, and as one of the things I think we, that to like to think that, that we had made clear in terms of the, the quality of wrestling overall was 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 good was really good was very good i should say um some things weren't amazing but on the whole there was nothing on there on there that was bad nothing that could be classified and that's even going really for the um the dark match yeah well i mean overall uh, the reaction online to the show itself uh, definitely seemed positive from what i mm. saw uh, i've finished i didn't manage to make it down live to the show unfortunately uh, but i managed to catch it on vod today and overall yeah it was really enjoyable i mean before we get into the, the i mean the meat of the show we should probably uh, address some of the points from uh, the last month i mean uh, last 10 days sorry i think yes i don't know were, were you guys a little bit scared going into the building thinking there might be <laughs> ultras after, no. after, after this <laughs> I mean, we are those indie corner guys with our hip pieces. <laughs> Apparently, it's, uh, it's a whole thing with, with uh, the indie corner. Isn't we, it? we didn't wear our indie corner jackets and hats <laughs> this time going in there. Yeah, well, no. I mean, JP is a- definitely more uh, recognisable and notable uh, than I am. Yeah, and has more true. of a rep amongst fans than yeah. I do. I like to keep anonymous and keep <laughs> keep to myself at shows and yeah, keep to my own insular little uh, group of people that I go to shows with. 
Yeah. I mean, I think just talking on the podcast like mm. uh, last time, I think we got mixed response. I think the vast majority was people coming out on Twitter and saying, oh, I've, I mean, I'm a big fan of progress, but I've thought a lot of those things that you said. Mm-hmm. We got some people coming out um, and not liking some of the critique and some some made some uh, some good points there as well that I do want yep. to bring up today as well. I mean, we even got a, a tweet, didn't we, from John Briley himself who called the podcast something else. I think that was a compliment. I'm not too sure. I'd like to um, think so. He certainly probably helped like numbers and helped to kind of uh, stir the controversy a little bit, I've got to say. And the power of Rover as well. <laughs> yeah, Rover and Frey uh, both picked it up. I mean, I mean, you say that, I mean, I'd like to stress that we didn't uh, record the podcast last week to kind of cause any kind of controversy. We were just giving our honest opinions on the mm. on the product and on the, the company as a whole. I mean, again, we got various uh, Carl and Leslie came out of the woodwork on Twitter and Briley himself even saying that he will never tire of people who claim not to care for progress having opinions on progress I mean I don't think that was a shot directly at our podcast but I think it was kind of a, a cumulative thing I know the, well, what uh, I'll say there is I do care about progress I wouldn't be talking about progress but because of their shows if I didn't care the thing yeah. like yeah. That, that show was based around caring for a product if I don't care for a product I'm not going to inv- I'm not going to well, do a, a podcast about AAW because as much as I've kind of enjoyed matches I've seen from there I don't care about it as a product so I'm not going to talk about it I don't feel any passion or drive about it whereas Progress I used to have some cracking Sundays out with my mates watching great wrestling so of course I'm going to care about it so that tweet was bloody ridiculous yeah I think that was kind of aimed at the, the voices of wrestling lads who do the Brit Red Round table yes. uh, and also probably the, the love the graphs lads as well unfortunately oh. I mean that, that was kind of the reaction we got in some circles it was that if you don't like it don't watch I mean I will always defend it I mean it happens in film podcasts that I listen to other wrestling podcasts I would always say that criticism is healthy and it's sometimes necessary as well I mean if you want to hear that everything is awesome and everything's fantastic then you should listen to the company's official podcast that I think Leslie's a part of that's where you're going to get that well he was saying something about how and he said it before about how something's not based in fact like makes it it was implying that something is less legitimate because it's not based in fact like you know what what would a podcast be if there was an opinion expressing it? I listen to all sorts of podcasts, I listen to film podcasts, wrestling, football podcasts. I don't want to tune into I don't know the Guardian Football Weekly to with Barry Glendinig listed list of facts about Sunderland and the Republic of Ireland. It would be bloody boring. I want to hear his opinion <laughs> on stuff. You know that's where the meat of a of you know criticism and the meat of most products that people listen to and consume comes from. Yeah, sorry, go on. I mean, uh, no, go ahead, JP. No, no, no. I, I, I was, I was just going to say in terms of um, following on from that. I mean, I'd like to think that, and a lot of people were were really good about saying this in terms of the ones who'd actually kind of listened to it and hadn't kind of just. Uh, oh, this sounds really weird, but hey, don't don't go full Briley. No, no, I'm not going to imagine if we become the Briley. Exactly. No, no. I think uh, I think as well is that that people didn't have to. Um, agree with everything they said but they kind of just respected the fact that we were coming as as what this podcast is 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 three fans three mates talking about wrestling that they've seen and british wrestling and that's where we're coming from in terms of like the criticism we give it's kind of we felt for a long time that there are always elements of british wrestling that we want to get better why because we want it to be boom time that's our interest which I'm sure that any promoter wants it to be the way, any wrestler wants it to be that way. We just want it all to be really good. And yeah, 
we've been following indie wrestling for years and maybe we're sort of long in the tooth and jaded and I can and and, and to a degree I wouldn't disagree with some aspects of that but I also think at the same time it's just like imagine that we're we're not we're saying this because we we want them to do really well and these are and these are concerns that we're coming from as fans as fans who've given a lot of promoters a fair bit of cash as well over the years one of the points i always make on this is at the end of the day progress likes to use like football style branding and sort of employ a little bit of football culture into like the company obviously jim's a massive leicester fan and uh, glenn's got the connection to middlesbrough and everything um and i just think about this way so as Jim Smallman never asked questions about uh, what what's going on at Leicester before, did he never question? I don't know Ranieri's dismissal last season. Mm. Did he not have an opinion on that? Okay, um, like think about it in that in those terms. If you're asked to support a company, think about it in the way that you're supporting a football team, which mm. in this day and age is essentially a company. You are going to ask questions. Football criticism, people speculate about football clubs, is just regular and normal. But I feel like progress has kind of put themselves in this position where there's such blind loyalty that it's almost become something else that isn't quite fully formed in terms of it being this major company it's still this little independent Mm. and they like to play up the fact that it is still an independent to suit um the kind of needs of the company when it comes to stuff like criticism and there's a culture that they've created where criticism is seen as a bad thing tuesday night jaw this is a positive podcast to me over positivity blind positivity is ultimately rooted in ignorance why be blindly positive when you could be lying to yourself when you could be being positive just for the sake of it is that not ignorance well it's yeah, I mean, you, you made a couple of good points there. And one thing I wanted to pick up on there that you said as well is that Progress likes to be this small company that's, you know, it's three guys, three best mates trying to deliver the best product. And I, I do believe that to an extent, but it's funny that they'll trot that out if they're having, like today, the on, the tickets went on sale for Wembley, yeah. didn't they? Uh, well, the SSE Arena. Um, and they've had some trouble, and all of the trouble is Axis's fault. It's the people putting the tickets on sale's fault. Yep. When there's problems with Pivot Chair, I was trying to watch the show today, and I was I was struggling to the point where, for the last half an hour, I ended up watching the show elsewhere. Um just because the play is so crap and if you mention that to progress it's like well you know we're only a little company that all that stuff all belongs to, to Pivotshire they deal with all that stuff and it's kind of they are in this weird middle ground at the moment aren't they it's, it's almost of, like a bit of an identity crisis isn't it it's like mm, um, they're moving from pains. kind of like um, yeah. the teenage years to like fatherhood and it's uh, this kind of little bit, little bit of a struggle to adapt and they're kind of using uh, aspects of uh, you know their teenage years to as a defence when necessary and yeah that's pretty crap analogy if I'm honest but I was going to say that that, I mean I think as well that there's always been that culture within British wrestling and within wrestling on the whole where wrestling as an industry has always found it difficult to kind of have that acceptance as something legitimate so criticism has always been really taken like very much to heart as opposed to kind of like being able to go okay, this is what they're saying, and then sort of brushing away the the comments that aren't constructive in any way and then picking up the other stuff that actually works. Um, That's been the case, and we've all heard horror stories about various promoters who've behaved in horrible ways. I mean, mean, obviously, one of the things that we didn't get to mention last week was, for example, Five Star being on free sports. And I'll just say it now, they're a fucking joke. 
Like, there's no way that they should have that deal. Like, they, they are historically well-known. And I think they, one of them did a podcast about it. Couldn't give two shits. That company has no credibility whatsoever. The likes of Progress, ICW, Rev Pro, um, Fight Club Pro Attack, they all pay their talent. They give them the money for that. So I think, you know, they're the kind of like the really sort of bad promotions. They're like, they're the, like something like Five Star is the one that is kind of like the nadir of this. So I think the stuff we say for the other promotions is more along the lines of just trying to sort of benefit them in terms of a, a constructive way and just trying to think, okay, there's some of us who feel like this. And it's going to be, and like you say about the growing pains, it's going to be very difficult because you're, you're catering to kind of, a spreading audience now um it's gone beyond hardcore wrestling fans really finding a promotion to kind of like kind of latch onto and stick with that you're having to kind of spread it out to those who are non-wrestling fans mm. and those for whom progress is the first their first kind of experience of independent wrestling and that's going to be difficult and then you're talking about Wembley and, and we're probably going to get onto this and might well be leading into it now. But in terms of trying to sell Wembley out, or I wouldn't say sell Wembley out, but to do sort of a number around six to eight thousands, who else are they going to be able to market to? Are they going to have to use television in order to get to a more casual audience? Does it mean buying advertising on WWE programming? Does it rely on um, sort of, you know, various other ways in order to kind of increase that fan base? And if they're going to do that, they're going to need an infrastructure. And that's going to mean employing more people. And that probably means financially taking a bit more of a risk and a hit. But if you're going to try and grow and expand, and let's face it, if you're running Wembley Arena, you are, then that's that's the kind of real tricky predicament that I think they've got going forward. I think, that, I mean, we've got to accept that as well as yeah. people who are maybe somewhat critical of the product. They are, you know, as much as we'll criticise the WWE thing, you mentioned there, advertising with WWE, I mean, they probably don't need that. They'll probably, they're probably going to wind up on the network. That's probably the, the end goal of, uh, of progress here. Yeah. And it does, I mean, we can say that just from trying to get tickets for progress, it's it's gotten harder and harder yeah. as the year's gone on. Pete Dunne, um, Tyler Bates, uh, bigger stars than ever because of WWE UK and the Raw lots and lots of more new people coming to progress so it is i think growing pains and that transition process is i mean it's a really good point to make and it's something i mean we should uh, definitely acknowledge as well mm. i mean just one, one or two other things then but i wanted to just pick up on i mean one thing that i kept here and i mean saturday after the podcast dropped uh, i couldn't put my phone down it was just constant <laughs> notifications <about>, uh, <laughs> mostly again people agreeing with us but some disagreeing and some putting the points forward and i thought no there's a few fair points there and yeah. one thing that did keep coming up that i suppose maybe uh, that we, we are guilty of maybe going on that progress fans group a little bit too much yes making ourselves angry a little bit too i haven't much. gone on since if i'm honest yeah <laughs> there you go we've learned our lesson i mean one genuine critique that i heard was i mean we kind of maybe alludes to the fact that you can't criticize progress and it did sound like we were saying yeah, at a, you know, I've listened back to the show at a progress show you can't criticise pro progress and it's like these hordes are going to swarm on you and it, it's no. not like that is it I mean overall uh, if you're on your Twitter account I mean Matthew from Botchamania seemed mm -hmm. to 
I mean, he didn't listen to the podcast, but he kind of responded to the prog- the podcast. And his overall point was that he thought that uh, Progress fans were overly negative, and he thought that's what the pro- the podcast was about, um, which kind of led to the humorous thing on the fans group where there was lots of people trying to say, no, no, we're not negative at all. We're really positive, and we don't criticize. And it was like, oh, that's kind of the opposite <laughs> of what we were saying. On the, on the, you're not kind of helping our point there. But, I mean, that aside, yeah, I think that there is avenues for you to criticize progress we'll do it on twitter if the yeah. three of us are a live show we'll do it as well again it's it isn't like there's these hordes of people coming after you and like you said there jp i mean uh, uh, alexander palace you didn't exactly um, get jumped at the door or no. anything like that it's just there is just a feeling that uh, maybe among the more hardcore fans that the criticism isn't accepted and one big thing that i did see was the a lot of people attacking the indie corner main account um oh. it was like there's a lovely guy keegan barnes who did a lovely little uh, preview of the show they kind of got lost in all this on on the website yeah very positive just talking about the matches and he was getting abuse on twitter yeah, i felt sorry for, for him for being part sorry, of the corner this this hit uh, these hit pieces that we uh, seem to be putting together and it should be said shouldn't it that there are many different people who, who contribute things for the indie yeah. corner where the british wrestling spotlight podcast Stu does his own thing on the network who has different opinions from us and yeah i think that that maybe got a little bit lost in the conversation as well i think i don't I, know what what you guys have got to say on that well i was thinking it's the diversity of opinion Mm. And, you know, it, it's, it comes back to that adage where, it, it, you know, if people don't agree, I'm, I'm kind of happy to have good constructive debate about that being the case and, and kind of proper discussions. I'm kind of not going to respond to stuff which is, I mean, just looking for kind of a line set out of context and then taking that to kind of dominate the entire piece without listening to the context of the entire show. Those kind of things I've little or no interest in because that's, I look at that as someone kind of looking to deliberately pick, pick a fight. And I don't think we are looking to pick a fight. I think like Joe said earlier on, um, we'd be kind of lying to ourselves Mm. if we, you know, if we say these things when we're just chatting to each other at shows and saying, oh, I'm not keen on this. And then we came onto, we came onto a podcast and we said overwhelmingly positive things as a response without any kind of critique. It would be, I would feel false. I, I wouldn't enjoy doing it. Yeah. I wouldn't feel like I was being myself in any way at all. Um, and you know, I think, uh, having a sense of strong sense of identity is something that I don't know. I hope, quite important and if i was to just lie to myself and convince myself i like something because i'm kind of being goaded to like it because otherwise i'm seen as being negative then i just think that's kind of ridiculous Mm -hmm. Mm. it's kind of i mean you're saying that that we you know we're we're trying to any criticism we got we're trying to take on board and like i mentioned before we're trying not to become the briley in the situation but there was that one guy who said that i sound like steven gerrard and i kind of want to fight that guy (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's gerrard's from whiston it's a completely different uh, area merseyside than i'm from but i suppose i'll let that one go uh the other the other thing that we got you also don't look down in an interview constantly well we can't (laughs) see your face in this but you don't give the same interview or the same opinion and same thoughts in a post-match interview over oh, and over again on repeat <laughs> like Gerard did <laughs> the other critique that I laughed at that we got as well people were saying that we uh, maybe said the words Ali Pali too much uh, it kind of did get on I don't think we Palace. I'm going to go with that from now yeah. I agree with it to be honest it is a bit cringy the uh, sounds very Tory the Ali Pali thing I don't know yeah. why they're fans of the uh, of the darts 
No, I'd, not really. I'll watch it at, near, around Christmas. I mean, I grew up not far from there, so for us, it was always kind of known as Ali Pally. Um, but I get to, if you're outside of North London or not from around there, it might sound a bit weird. Um, but yeah, in terms of saying Ali Pally too much, like literally the, the company produced... An, a t-shirt with Ali Pally on it <laughs> I don't think it's going away anytime soon Fair enough. any more thoughts on the uh, the show then our last one uh, no I feel pretty good uh, I can't think of anything else that I need to add <laughs> regarding it if I'm honest <laughs> I'm sure anyway, we'll hear about it feedback, afterwards get back to us on Twitter this time maybe send them to Joe and JP let them uh, yeah. let their notification don't mind if it's constructive it's yeah I've got fine. to say I think you've certainly got the uh, bigger like rep out there Benno because you obviously do the other podcasts as well whereas me and JP just do this one so yeah. I did feel a bit bad for you because it was constantly Benno's podcast <laughs> Benno's podcast <laughs> on the indie corner it was like ah oh, sorry Benno you're taking the hit on this one uh, to be honest I quite like to just sit back and load the bullets and let you guys fire them so me getting the, uh, the grief on Twitter but yeah that was our last podcast mm-hmm. and uh, we'll probably uh, touch on a couple of those themes as we go on, go on throughout the show mm-hmm. um, before we get to the main progress review then I mean JP yes. uh, you also in the last week you got to a show from pro wrestling eve yeah uh, i know you wanted to talk about that so maybe this is a, a good time to to see into that well yeah uh, really i mean i have to say from the from the get-go i loved it um i really enjoyed it as a show as a product and i enjoyed it because it's entirely different to kind of in presentation and feel and audience to any to any other British independent wrestling show. Um, so I went along and I went with my girlfriend who um, we've been watching Glow together. So, and I'd mentioned about, okay, have you heard about Pro Wrestling Eve? And then she watched the documentary with me and she thought, yeah, I'll come along and, and go along. So we, we went along um, to the Resistance Gallery, um, which is a crazily small venue. Um, for if you remember the British J Cup, Benno, it was hotter than that, <laughs> um, which is really saying something. Mm. Um, but what I uh, really enjoyed uh, about it, first and foremost, is the wrestling was really good. There was nothing that was like sort of blow away outstanding, but I don't suppose I was expecting that to be the case. Partly because as a venue, it's so small the ring that. All of the fans are on the are on the um, are, are by the um, ring ropes, hmm. so it's very enclosed. You've got um, a big screen there, which helps if you're looking at the back, because you can see the 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 um, you can see the action going on there. But a lot of the action is happening in the ring, which can at times kind of limit certain things. So, but my expectations were like, I don't know how good they are. And I think what we always need to remember in particularly in the case of women's wrestling is it's starting from because of historic, let's face it to a degree, like sort of discrimination in, in wrestling circles. And we will go to a show. We might see one women's match on there. And obviously they're going to be requiring, you know, sort of a roster of around, let's say 16, that they're going to have to get working. So where are they all going to get to work? Where are they all going to get better? So you could, what the impression you get is with the wrestling, as much as anything else is, they're all getting better. Um, it was one of the things that they're, they're very good at is there's a very clear heel-face delineation. 
you're under no apparent, under no illusions, who you should, who, who are the ones to cheer for and, and who to who to boo, and it's not, but it's not kind of forced. It's not telling you necessarily to boo them, but you kind of go along with it. And I'd say two great examples of that were Nina Samuels and Charlie Evans. And Charlie Evans is only just over here from Australia, um, and she's really good, like really, really solid. But she kind of has, you know, they have two different type of kind of um, heels. In the case of Nina Samuels, it's much more of the kind of bully, but it's really authoritative as well. And she had a really good match with Candy Floss, who um, I've seen at, at various progress shows and obviously was part of the Projo and, and would have would have done some of her training through there as well. And it was really good, solid, not OTT match and none of the matches were they apart from Martina Ginny which was the kind of fake hardcore with um, jelly babies and, and marshmallows Charlie Evans was much more sort of like outgoing and, and angry and shouting at the crowd and she had a really good presence as well and she had an impromptu match with Debbie Sharp at the end and again I wasn't familiar with Debbie Sharp and I should give a back shout out to um, Megan Steve who gave me and my girlfriend a bit of a primer beforehand on who's who and and it was really handy actually I was like oh okay so I can kind of see where, where this is going um Livy Grace, who we all saw at the Progress Birmingham show, and I don't think we're being out of line by saying it that was it was a bad match that she had. I don't, do you remember that one from the first Progress Birmingham yeah, show? Yeah, it was her and Alex Windsor, wasn't it? Her and Alex oh. Windsor. Real bad. I think that's I mean, the yeah, worst that match I've ever seen live. Well. She was kind of doing a, a budget heel gimmick, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. With the, the, the token throwing up fingers to the crowd that every single progress heel seems to do. I mean, yeah. that was, again, I mean, th- that was a really strong show. That was in Birmingham, wasn't it? That was in Birmingham. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it was the first Birmingham show, wasn't yeah, it? it was, was, just, yeah, it was. I haven't stood out like a sore thumb on that card. I haven't seen Livy Grace since then. And I tell you what, she's really good. She's actually really come on board in terms of the, the sort of rates of progression of her work. I mean, she was in there with B Priestley, who we've said several times in the, in the matches we've seen. Her, she's really good. She's and she's only going to get better, especially doing stardom tours and the like as well. So um, they had a really good opening match at the scene. It was B Priestley's debut as well. Um, some. Uh, one of the big shames is, I suppose, the big two stars, in a way, are Rhea O'Reilly and Charlie Morgan. Um, Rhea O'Reilly is the sort of, as as the champ, who some people might remember from WrestleTalk TV, um, and made regular appearances on there, but she's injured at the moment, so um, Sammy Jane is the is the, the champion. Um, and And Charlie Morgan, who was more notable, and I suppose this is the kind of, the issues with sort of Eve as a company public facing to the world is partly she came out um, in the in the ring in front of the audience if I can if if I'm saying that right and they're both injured at the minute and Charlie Morgan was was a was was a heel beforehand and clearly now I mean this has actually turned this has turned her face and but they're both out. And I don't think, and I think that's something that would kind of add a bit of star power because they they have that presence. They were in the ring beforehand. There was the traditional things of taking the taking the shots as well. Um, just a couple of other brief thoughts about it. So all of the matches themselves really enjoyable. Um, they shut down the counting ahead of the ref. So <laughs> some people it was like the one, two, and you could just see Emily Reed just going no, no. And it stopped straight away, and I was like, 
Yeah, can you do that and come to some Rev Pro shows at York Hall and <laughs> say it to people and they shout moose and wrestling and anything else that we... That's kind um, of the... the- the beauty isn't it of running a show in the resistance gallery it's yeah. kind of it's it's just so uh, unique and it it's a small venue where it's packed oh, in yeah. and I suppose a crowd can police itself i mean oh, that was a question i was going to ask you what yeah. is the, the fan makeup at an eve show i've never i've completely, not had completely completely different and i think one of the interesting things i think that that we need to kind of take on boards as male wrestling fans as well is that the vast majority of independent wrestling is kind of being pitched to us yeah it's being sort of generally pitched to a heavily male audience with heavily male stack cards and this isn't so i almost think you go in there thinking this is kind of not made for me which i like because it just sort of freshens it up it, that's why it felt so different to me um Mixed crowd, I would, I mean, I mean, giving percentages to sound funny, but it felt 50 50 in terms of male to female. Um, one of the things as well is obviously it's got um, a lot of sort of kudos within uh, in terms of having a what we'd think of as a safe space for uh, members of the trans community as well. And Emily Reed does, does uh, a talk at the beginning where she says, it, No, if there's any hate speech, we're throwing you the fuck out. Um, so it's kind of overtly aggressive as well, which is some of the things that I think, you know, w- will kind of rankle with people. And I kind of understand why. It, Don't hold back on Twitter, do they? They're no. Kind of, yeah, the anti-Briley, they'll just outright yeah. to say what they're thinking on they, the Twitter account. They do that. Um, I think that the, the sister promotion, um, XWA, um, that with, which leads to the question, how the hell, Keith Lee and Daisuke Sakamoto actually fit in the bloody place is somewhat of a miracle. Um, but that's XWA feels like it's aimed much more at that audience. It made much more at the, the audience that we would consider ourselves generally part of. Um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I found it really friendly. I found everyone really nice. Um, it was, uh, Kate Nash was there. She appears to be, uh, a regular as well. Um, the interesting thing about it is, I mean, there was one part of it that I wasn't a fan of, where there was a um, a bit of a burlesque element, where um, a performer called Lolo Brown came out and did a striptease in the ring. And I was kind of watching it, and I was there with my girlfriend, and I was like, I-, I don't get this. I'm not quite, I don't know what this has to do with wrestling. Some of the crowd liked it. It wasn't as over as I thought with some of it as well. The um, the thing I would say, though, is that's closer, really, to like the likes of Lucha Britannia and Lucha League, which is kind of going for a much more avant-garde feel. Mm. So, yeah. I, think I was going to I mean, yeah. say, I mean, Eve, I mean, they made, they do go a little bit, well, a lot more under the radar than they really should. Yeah. We're probably guilty of it for not covering them on this show. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were in the media, weren't they, with that uh, the documentary? Was it Power Drive yes. Fascist that's on YouTube? I mean, Joe, I don't know. Did you see that documentary? What you make <laughs> yeah. of Eve? Are you, are you interested in heading to a show? No, absolutely not. Um, I've got to say, that documentary, if there was one thing that could put, completely put me off a promotion in one fell swoop. It was that documentary. Uh, the, the owners, I just find borderline unbearable they like a label for one um they buy into the labeling generation which i'm not a big fan of um that might cause a little bit of controversy um and i've never been told by a promotion so kind of in a way directly that they're not for me and i'm not 
someone who is part of their audience. Um, I find their attitude on social media to be kind of borderline confrontational at times, and I think that's what they're looking for. Um, and I just don't like that. Uh, and I find there's sort of an over-socio-political element to the promotion. And I'm not looking for politics in wrestling. Like, I follow mm. politics quite closely. Um, and I'm pretty sure lots of their political views would be very similar to mine on many levels. But at the same time, I'm not looking for that in wrestling. I sort of said that on the last podcast in connection with the Jack Sexsmith stuff. Um, but I just don't understand why maybe I'm just... An, an idiot on this part because they seem to have maybe gained some of their audience based on some of this socio-political stuff I'm sure mm-hmm. you feel much of, the- of that at the show JP it's, yeah you do you, political. it feels I tell you what I mean because obviously we go to lots and lots of wrestling shows so it feels like you kind of recognise a lot of the, the same people who are there and while there are, are some there for the most part this feels like a really new audience um Mm. and i think some of them are i think there's a there's a combination of i mean let's face it glow would have had an effect but also on top of that you've got um the the i mean there was a bbc piece that morning that uh, they're on on the one show as well and they're on the one show i think they were doing something at channel four even this week as well um so uh, I've seen Nina Samuels on that Sunday brunch show before as well, oh, but right. I think she was promoting Lucha Britannia. I think, oh, okay. I think she was with Simon Rimmer and Tim Lovejoy. Right. My mum was watching it when I was at home <laughs> one weekend. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the, you do get that impression with the audience that the, 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 there is a large, there is a large proportion of that audience who, uh, I mean, let's be honest about it. They, they, I think, you know, they, they like, the the way that that Eve projects itself, yeah. and I have to say as well. I mean, in terms of, and this is anecdotal evidence. So, in terms of my own personal dealings with with the owners, with Dan and Emily Reed, they've been really nice to me. However, my experience is not directly the same as everybody else's. And sure. yeah, for me, the attitude online as well just completely puts me off. Um, like tweets, mm. like um, if I'm to read this one out here. Um, like what's this it actually makes me laugh that there are men so ignorant and entitled that they think everything has been made for them now you know I don't, I'm not disagreeing with that point kind of goes to what JP said doesn't it it's kind of the, the same point yeah, yeah it is but I don't want I don't want to see a wrestling company tweeting stuff like that I, I don't know what it is it just it seems oh, like needlessly confrontational mm-hmm. and that just puts me off um, yeah I'd be perfectly willing I'd, I'd have been perfectly willing to have given them a go if it was wasn't for the attitude on social media and like i said every time i've seen stuff with the owners i just always think god these are not people that like no they're just not my sort of people on any level whatsoever fair enough different strokes for different folks i mean i have to say i'm going back on october 6th so i mean i i enjoyed it it's 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 something as a niche for me i I like. I mean, I actually funny. I replied to the tweet that Joe had mentioned. I'd said as well that I liked the fact that it it was looking to a different audience. That it wasn't something that was with the male gaze in mind. Sorry to to turn into yeah. the media teacher that I am. Um, but I, you know, I found that it was it was nicely different from that. Um, but can you not be different and not be confrontational at the same time? True. Why is there yeah, this can. confrontational aspect to the look at us, we're different, mm. look who we're sticking up for? It's like they enjoy being this this niche who is sticking 
up for this niche in society in a way or playing this kind of role where they're doing that i don't know if i'm just reading that completely wrong I, there's, a, there's a market for that as well yeah, yeah. I'm, not say, I'm not saying there isn't but uh, i think there's a, i think there is an argument i mean and this is something we're going to get onto in, in terms of if you're looking at being at the forefront of changes in in um i suppose changes in society on the whole of some people saying, actually, no, we need to be confrontational about saying this. I mean, sorry to go off on a slightly political tangent. Let's say, you know, if you disagreed with Brexit, for example, you know, where's it come the point where you have to say to somebody who is perhaps quoting, well, we're going to get 350 million for the NHS. And you just go, no, you know, that's a lie. You're deliberately kind of trying to avoid um, what's going on. Sometimes you have to say those kind of harsh things to people in order to get the response i would but this, I, I would, but this yes. hold on yeah. <laughs> but their response and yeah. their kind the way that like and i'm not saying there aren't lots of ignorant yeah. men in the world but their way of just overtly talking about ignorant men uh makes me think oh i've not really got time for this promotion because like do they not want to try and sway or change the minds of people who may think like that? Like, what? I actually why, don't think they why, do. Yeah, exactly. There was a tweet that I saw where they said, uh, yeah, here's the thing. If they won't watch women's wrestling, then they won't watch our product and aren't our fans. Lol. I watch women's wrestling. I was perfectly willing to give the promotion mm-hmm. a go. But based on tweets like that, and based on their attitude in that documentary, I, I'm never going to give them the time of day. So why not try and... It's the same issue with the sex myth thing. Mm-hmm. It's sort of living in these weird echo chambers, I find, mm-hmm. reinforcing views that exist in that echo chamber. Let's reinforce what everyone thinks who comes to the resistance gallery rather than trying to gain... Well, rather than maybe trying to convince people and change people's minds. They're running York Hall. Like, that I was going to say. Realistically, if they want to run York Hall, can they continue this, this I don't know, confrontational tone and do a decent number at York Hall? I, I do question it. That's, I mean, that's something that is going to be very interesting. And it's obviously it's because it's a it's a very niche product with an attitude that's very different to um any of the promotions that we we deal with um it's a real shame we go to see because there are lots of wrestlers on uh, that they book who i do actually quite enjoy as well i was gonna say for, for the, the fact it's a niche product though it's it's also garnering this very mainstream attention i mean yeah. you know let's face it you're getting netflix bbc um what? documentary you know, was the documentary everywhere wasn't it i mean yeah. it titled pile driver fascist which kind of plays into a joke lots of articles well, i mean it was put together by uh, martin hines who yeah. i don't know if you ever listened to his podcast interesting people watch wrestling yes along those lines yes. where he talked to celebrities who are into wrestling so i think he's got a bit of a, a media connect there yeah, as well but sure. it did get absolutely everywhere and mm. i remember i mean i watched it and all the, all the footage it's free on youtube and all the footage looked fantastic i was a little bit embarrassed by I think they had uh, Rhea O'Reilly on there kind of staying in character talking about how she didn't want Sammy Jane to be champion uh, and I was kind of watching it going I mean I can't imagine anybody watching that is buying this act uh, that it's all real and they're really going to have a, a you know a real match and a real fight when you've got on the same documentary you've got Ginny completely dropping the act <laughs> and yeah. being the genuine nice person that she always comes across on these types of things so I mean those criticisms aside though I mean it did really look great and it was kind of 
that's the the thing that I keep coming back to. If it was RevPro, if it was Progress getting that kind of media attention, it would probably have been a bigger story than it was. And Mm. maybe that's another reason why they kind of go the way they do and they are quite uh, confrontational. Maybe maybe it works. Sorry, I was just going to say, well, the the, the sellouts are there. I mean, in terms of the ticket sales as well, there there were times when they had, you know, they have tickets on the doors, nights of the event. and, and And I don't think that seemed, you know, at the minute it was it was hard to get these tickets um for the for the 6th of uh, october so yeah it's it's a very it's a it, like i say it's a, it's an it's you know it's a niche product but it's you know sort of tying in with much more mainstream than we're used to i mean more mainstream than wwe more people would would have watched glow worldwide than would have watched wwe i would have imagined if you put in but it's not glow <laughs> but it's not glow but 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 for some reason it's kind of it's it's the association has ended up sticking with it like that's one of the things that is kind of hey, i think bringing on board the articles in the new york times mm-hmm. and on buzzfeed and the like that it was it was glow that kind of led to i wonder if there's any women companies around i'm surprised there wasn't more in shimmer than in that case or shine yeah, true true um but Eve appeared to be the one, and I think it helped that Kate Nash did some publicity for them as well. Um, she was a talking head in the documentary as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah. Clearly, I'm going to be bringing Joe along to the next show. That's <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to drug you and nick your car and put you in the back and bring you across. You can't drive, mate. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? We'd only die well, along the way. Before we get into our main review then, uh, there was just one more news item that we wanted to discuss a little bit. There was a, an article on the Indicona website by Dara Marr, um, fan outrage caused OTT to cancel brand booking. Centred around a, a bit of a controversy online where the Irish promotion OTT announced Bram for a show uh, at Tivoli on the 7th of October. There was a bit of an outburst on Twitter. I mean, if you don't know, uh, in August of 2015, while Brown was married to Charlotte Flair, but involved with a different woman, um, there were allegations of Brown. I think it was two felony charges of domestic battery. Mm. um, And it was also false imprisonment as well while he lived in Florida. Uh, those alleg- allegations were dropped. All charges were dropped against him. Um, but at the time, he was suspended by TNA, and it was a bit of a news story, and it's something that's followed him round. So there was a bit of an outrage on Twitter when OTT booked him, and then they quietly dropped him from the show. Um, they mm. just put another match graphic up that didn't include Bram, and it's, it's, a, it's a sticky uh, issue to get into. I've definitely got strong feelings on it um i kind of think i mean the big thing for me with bram is i mean he got booked by icw last month and they had him in ring beating up martina uh session moth martina yeah and i was kind of watching it going i mean how whether you believe the (laughs) allegations against bram or not i mean how tone deaf do you need to be his promotion to book that I, think I can't believe Brown. I can't believe he agreed to do that as well. What with um, like how much bad press he's gotten on the back of that. Like mm. if I was asked to go and do that, and I was you know, and I'd had that press previously, I kind of think, my God, like I've got this rep. <laughs> like if it was just I don't know, Jack Jester going out there to do it, I, people might have said, "Oh, men on women violence," but there wouldn't be that. Um, there wouldn't be that attachment to his past or to what had gone on previously, so there wouldn't have been the same scope mm. on it. Whereas, were ICW possibly trying to get attention from it? Like, was I mean, there was there intent there to cause controversy? I don't know. 
He has him beating up Ravy Davy as well on the show and trying to hard way uh, get yeah. bored and fail him miserably and give him the poor lad a black eye. And I at saw the time, that. It kind of looked like he'd people were reacting like he legitimately attacked him, but I think it was they were just trying to do hard way blood and it, it, it kind of went wrong. But you're right, Joe. I think when you've got that rep and when you've got that story out of it, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one because in these kind of cases, I mean, personally in my life i work in safeguarding so i deal with a lot mm. of those types of allegations pretty much every day and they're really hard to pass um as much as you'll get you know people coming out talking about social justice warriors and saying oh she probably it was probably obviously the, the charges were dropped it was probably all lies i mean mm. for every one case that you get a lie you get another hundred where it's his word against hers and she doesn't want to go through the the problem of going to court or mm. taking an allegation like that further but it kind of it puts in a situation where he's tarred with this brush and it might be right that he is. And, you know, in the majority of the cases when these allegations are made, they, my personal opinion is there usually is some smoke to the fire. Mm. Um, although it's not unheard of that the false allegations are made. It's it's a really difficult one and I don't think it's helped as well. You've got his wrestler friends coming out. I mean, a couple of the responses I saw on Twitter to it were wrestlers saying, oh, you wouldn't say that to Bram's face, you know, making out that he's this tough guy. And it's like, no, you, that, that's, not, that's not in this situation that's not <laughs> something to brag about the fact that he's got a violent past and there are other allegations involving him and drink you don't want to, I mean that's not really a defence and I saw a really I can't remember who made the tweet but someone kind of came out and said well you know if, if, if only all crimes could be tried by a jury of your colleagues maybe that'd be we'd have a farewell then you know as, as if um, yeah. I don't know I mean what do, you, what do you make of it do you think it's is it right that, that OCT dropped them from it is it right that this controversy follows them round it's it's a difficult one isn't it so i'm just trying to work out like if they knew about his rep and uh, but because the, surely they must have known about it like why did they book him in the first place surely they were expecting some form of a backlash i'm sure most promotions with books have received neg like negativity based on booking him previously as well so to me it's just it's a funny one that they chose to book him in the first place i'll be honest i don't know why you'd book bram because he's crap mm. number one it's a strong point he doesn't have a lot to offer <laughs> and every time i've seen him live he's been crap and he's yep. also come across like a complete dick like the time when he a guy in the crowd at york hall wouldn't give him his beer to celebrate with him was like no i've just bought it it cost me five quid and then he then got a beer off another fan and spat the beer all over the fan that wouldn't give him the beer i just thought my god you're meant to be a baby baby face here but you're getting this completely wrong um yeah. so i don't think he's any good as a wrestler um i'd like to think ott uh, <laughs> maybe regretted their decision in booking him after watching a few clips of his tna matches and thought actually why have we why have we put this guy uh yeah i don't know it's a it's a really really tough one um and i think you've summed it up kind of perfectly to be honest ben i don't think there's any more that I can add regarding the allegations. JP might have something uh, else to say. It's a difficult one because I, I kind of... You never want to go down a kind of route of vigilantism, like to a degree where you have a mob making... Just deciding to effectively make decisions that that are, are kind of being forced upon people. And I think... But I think in this case, there's an element of... Um, not, to I mean, and, and this comes back to a sort of broader theme that we've kind of talked about on and off about British wrestling being better, and so about being the case where if this guy is a problem, it's not something necessarily to, to to tolerate. And I've read some of the charges as well, and it was a case where 
the police, when they arrived, had enough to arrest him based on some of the charges that you mentioned before, Benno, which isn't a case of, well, she said this and then they picked him up as a result of it. They would, I think there was violence ongoing when they had, ar- when they had arrived. I mean, it's, if, if, it's kind of difficult as well. Yeah. I mean, we don't, none of us were there. We don't know. I mean, mm. one thing I, I would say is that there's nothing, is there something special about being a wrestler? Because yes. again, peeling back the curtain a little bit in my real life, I know people, I deal with these cases and I know people who've done worse than Bram, yeah. who, who also weren't convicted, but they're allowed to do jobs working with children, working with vulnerable adults. What is mm. it that's special about wrestling? Just playing devil's advocate that would yeah. stop this person, Bram Thomas Latimer, from getting work in his chosen profession. It's well. What I'll say <laughs> is, we all forgave Steve Austin. Mm. Yeah, and there's probably worse <laughs> yeah. people in wrestling. Aren't there? When is the Steve Austin Deborah thing ever ever brought up? And you know, he's one of my absolute favourite wrestlers ever, and it's not mm. something I really ever think about. And, and that's awful too, isn't it? It's yeah, terrible. I've managed to yeah. completely disassociate it with him. No, from him as a person, and you know that, like, you know, should I be questioning my own moral stance on that? I wonder. Like, maybe to some extent, mm. I don't know. Um, it's a tough. It's such a tough one because you feel like Stone Cold was forgiven because he was Stone Cold, whereas Bram is a bit shit. So maybe people are also riffing on Bram doing this because he is a bit shit. It'd be interesting if yeah. I don't know, like a more popular Brit rest guy had a case of domestic violence um, yeah. brought against him to yeah. see what the. Re- I don't. I really don't want that to happen. No, but it- I've seen worse allegations in dark Twitter and the DMs. I've seen worse allegations mm. about other wrestlers. Unfortunately, it's yeah. kind of there is a CD underbelly to British wrestling. It's it's difficult to kind of separate real life from the character. Although, like I said, that that ICW um, booking made it very difficult mm. to separate those two things. And yeah, I don't know. I think here it's a case where I think promotions like OTT are unlikely to use him but he's probably still going to find work that the promotions that aren't maybe as high profile among fans like us he's probably going to be still working every weekend didn't he get uh, sent home from a noah tour yeah for jumping in a freezer or something wasn't yeah it? oh yeah yeah there was a whole story there as well and, so and obviously wwe he was released um was it dui he was oh, in, sorry yeah he was in the ascension wasn't he he then? was in the ascension and so i i think i hate to say it he seems like one of these figures within wrestling of which bad things seem to happen in and around and I think after a while you see so much kind of bad being associated it's hard to kind of put together a defence and not look at it as a total thing of saying actually what is going on with this guy well he's Bram as well like I keep saying he's not Randy Orton look at what cock Randy Orton's been throughout his career especially Mm. in the early days and he was given every chance possible you know Mm. he is kind of paying for just being Bram as well Mm. to a certain extent which in a sense maybe I do sympathise with him but you know those allegations are true I I don't know it is hard to to sympathise with him so yeah yeah, it's a kind of you know moral kind of uh, quandary if anything indeed if anybody wants to to see more on that as i mentioned you can go to the indicorner.com and, and read the article we've been talking about there and i suppose uh, make your own mind up uh, as far as the facts are there with bram mm-hmm. uh, moving on then uh, to maybe 
more positive things. Uh, we wanted to talk about it. We previewed it last month, and here we are. Chapter 55, Chase the Sun at Alexander Palace, Progress. Mm. Their big show that they're doing annually now in September, as I mentioned earlier on the show, unfortunately, didn't make it out this time. I was there last September for Brixton. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my, I mean, my first question is related to that. How was it live? It Better than Brixton. Look as, oh, well, I was going to say, on camera, it didn't quite look as good as Brixton, but in person, was it a, was it a better vantage point better. oh so much better the yeah, sight yeah. lines the atmosphere um generally the matches were so much better than brixton um the setup i thought was better as well i will say um i haven't been had a chance to watch any of the show back unfortunately since uh being there busy weekend this weekend so i didn't get a chance um but when we were in the building and looking at the big screen me and jp did uh, talk about how it didn't have a look at the venue and the crowd just didn't look great on the big screen Mm, like it looked kind of cheap and it didn't look like the big show it kind of should look like or should have looked like which is a bit unfortunate you can see that on the opening i mean watching it on the vod it was like it didn't open with a big wide shot um it was Mm. just jim in the ring and then when they did go to the wide shots it was kind of like ah this kind of looks like Walthamstow or, or somewhere yeah. Rev, bigger but somewhere Rev Pro would run a yeah. show when you actually saw when I saw the pictures of the building they looked much better than I actually came across on camera oh, absolutely I mean we, we were stood up for the entire show as well which is kind of our thing we don't generally take seats at shows apart from when we were forced to at Ring of Honour um, but so for us in terms of sight lines it was it was kind of fine and I've, I've seen conflicting reports where people are were pleasantly surprised that they could see a lot from their seats from their vantage points and other people who had to move and then had to stand up because they couldn't see as much um and the crowd were respectful of something that jim had asked at the beginning where he said about you know be considerate of the people who are behind you so don't stand up for the entirety of the show um but from where we were i mean there were some great especially as it got darker outside as well and you had less of the kind of natural light coming in because for those of you not familiar with Alexandra Palace it's kind of there's a big glass roof all over it so you are getting lots and lots of natural light coming in there and I think when the time the show had started it was what sort of four o'clock so it still would have been pretty bright outside then obviously by the time it's hitting sort of you know eight o'clock by the end of the main it's it's a lot darker and and it has that kind of really good look about it as well well, let's get into the show itself then. I mean, we mm. kicked off with CCK against the British Strong Style uh, tag team of Trent Seven and Tyler Bate. Mm-hmm. CCK pulled out of North Wrestling, I think it was the night before, because of Lycos's uh, ongoing injuries, but managed to make the book in here, I suppose, with it being a, a big show. Um, you kind of want to save yourself for that, but I'm sure the guys at North mm. Wrestling weren't particularly happy. But I thought they delivered here in the, this open. It was, uh, you can't really get the ladders in this country, unfortunately. Oh. We learned that. Tell me about we, it. We Jesus, were all live, we weren't we, at the, uh, the TLC match with the Sumerian Death Squad against the London Riot mm. in progress, where it, it was a similar situation. I mean, we do our best, but we just don't seem to uh, build these two-sided awesome. No, we don't. They seem to get in America, even on the Indies in, in our country. It all seems to be very uh, IKEA, doesn't it? Ah, oh, they're bloody terrible. Like, there was one ladder that I thought was an improvement on the usual ladder, I've got to say, that you see in yeah. British wrestling. But most of the ladders, it looks like someone should be walking up 
walking up and with a fag in one hand and a pencil behind the ear, if I'm honest with you. Looks like the kind of ladder that, you know, someone who come... Well, my uncle would have walked up when he was glazing someone's window. Um, and it just... They don't look like they belong in a wrestling ring, unfortunately. And they don't look very um, kind of durable. They don't look very safe. I always really fear for the guys way more than I do mm. when watching just a WWE ladder match or even an American indie ladder match. Um, these ladders were just... Oh, man, I, I, I was fearing for a couple of them at yeah. points. When Tyler Bate landed sort of back first and the ladder cut sort of straight on, oh, it was just just looked horrible, just looked so painful. And the full was, the full Nelson suplex from oh, Trent Seven onto, onto Lycos, and you're just I mean, like, I, Jesus, oh, don't do that again. Either of you have seen the, the VOD since then, but no. like the way Lycos lands as well, he pretty much lands on the back of his head. And Christ. I was kind of watching it going, well, at least he didn't land on his shoulder, because that would probably be the way. Yeah thing for him but yeah it was kind of with the ladder being smaller as well you, the match had a lot of like I mean Lycos was doing all the big spots really running up the, the ladder mm. looking like a slightly less impressive Shelton Benjamin just because of the, <laughs> the, size of the th- size of the thing and there was a really cool spot where he got dumped off the ladder to the outside and the, the ring crew barely caught him as well he, he got battered around in this match of Lycos didn't he and I suppose I he had more some- to prove in this one than anyone else and it, it, with him That's being it. the smallest person Brooks being a lot bigger it was easier for guys to take, you know, Lycos fall than it was to, to, you know, for Brooks to fall onto a group of guys as well. So it kind of made sense in that regard, I suppose. Mm. Where would you place it then, as far as as ladder matches go? I mean, would you put it above the the previous uh, effort, uh, the, the last uh, the TLC match in progress? Would you? Put oh, it absolutely. Yeah, that is, that's and, and it, I don't really think it was a fault with the guys in the match. It was just an absolute mess of a match, and I think that has been acknowledged before as well. And I felt really sorry for uh, the Sumerian Death Squad and the London Riots that evening, as JP said on the way out. When he said to um, <laughs> said to Tommy End, you said, "Bad tools, lads. Bad tools, lads." Or, <laughs> Something. I'd have a shandy. <laughs> um, but I think this was. Sorry, Benno. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think this, as far as indie ladder matches go, you couldn't ask for much more, could you? Absolutely not. It wasn't Briscoe, Steen, Generico. I'll give it that mm. from uh, Ring of Honor Man Up in 2007, 10 year anniversary just last week. Um, that I think for me, that that and the El Generico, Kevin Steen, PWG ladder match take the kind of the mm-hmm. indie wrestling ladder match crown. But I thought this was a lot more kind of psychology based in a way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit more methodical at points. There were some crazy spots. Uh, but it wasn't kind of like spot, 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 spot. There was a bit of work in between at times. There was some nice character work from Trent Seven. Yeah, I did like the fact that they got their signature spots in, especially CCK using ladders as well. Like that popped me quite a few times yeah. during the match as well. Um, generally, was really into the match. One thing I will say was, as an opener, I didn't, I didn't want this. I didn't want this match to open the show. I think this was the match that I was looking forward to more than any other. Um, so when it was announced, when they put the ladders out to announce it was going on first, I sort of thought, ah, oh, really? Like in terms of matches and in terms of build up, I thought this was kind of the second most anticipated match on the entire card. So personally, I wouldn't have put this first. I would have probably put it on just after intermission, and I would have put the eight man uh, scramble match on first. If probably. I was looking. 
logistics isn't it as well kind of hanging the the belts yeah. uh, from the top of the building maybe they wanted to do yeah. that before people came in i think um, it was that and also um having um the guys play a part in the main event later on as well true yeah yeah that made sense well eventually uh but we'll get to that hmm. um yeah the, again I, I thought it was an enjoyable match uh, the finish was uh chris brooks back backdropping tyler Bates onto a ladder um and climbing up and getting the belts himself so an enjoyable opener if if yeah perhaps maybe a, a Touch misplaced because uh, Dahlia Black and, and Tony Storm had to, to follow this thing. Um, it was mm. kind of it was funny because when we went through the preview, we were we were top heavy with the title matches. I would have expected to see this a, a bit later on the card again. Um, I suppose with it being a, a big stack progress card, or at least that's from their point of view, uh, they felt they had to put it on seconds. But don't know if Tony Storm had a flight to catch, maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe. Mm. I mean, what did you make of it? What did you make of Dahlia Black as a as a face here working underneath Tony Storm? Was she the right choice for this match? And did it feel like a, a big women's title match for I, this big show? I would say, actually, it, it, with the, with hindsight after seeing the match, that yes, she needed to be there because she is now really the 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 big face within the the women's within the women's division. Who, uh, Tony Storm or Dahlia? Dahlia Black, right? Like in terms of who the crowds are behind. However, I agreed with the fact that there's no way she should have beaten Tony Storm at this stage. Um, and as a result, and it's something actually Joe had brought up um, when we did in the last show about Dahlia Black kind of working on on selling and working in that kind of pure white meat baby face type way she's got the crowd at the moment yep. as well she's got a lot of sympathy I don't think she's great on offence personally so yeah, it does a touch off isn't it mm-hmm. yeah it really is so I think her selling and having someone like Tony Storm to get her through a match as well is uh, for the best at this moment yeah. in time and I'm hoping when TK comes back as well this will lead eventually to her probably winning the belt and getting a nice win um, yeah. that's kind of built to a little bit more because this you know they've been back for what well she's been back for what a month just over a month so I think it would have been sort of rushing the belt onto her for a moment at a big show whereas I think you can make this a much bigger moment down the line whether it happens in six months whether it happens in a year it's funny connecting those two things, isn't it? Uh, the character and the wrestler. I think I agree with you, Joe, that as a as a wrestler, I don't think she's quite there to, to work mm. as a heel. I think she's better as the underdog face. But as a character, there's something about it that doesn't work for me. Um, I don't see it long term. Both here and TK Cooper, to be honest. I think there's okay. a lot of goodwill there for them at the moment um, with them all returning to the company and all the, the issues that you know they've had with visas and injuries and all kinds. But I kind of think to see the money with them as an actor is as heels um, maybe a bit further in the future but again maybe that the fact that she is still a bit young to the business and in ring mm-hmm. maybe it's better for her to be a face and maybe at some point uh, you turn them both back I, I could certainly yeah I can happen. see them being faces for a while I think long term they might need to turn Travis Banks which I'll get into later on um, I do wonder mm-hmm. whether he'll run out of sort of baby face momentum and maybe the matches might become a little bit samey after a while um, and that's no disrespect to him um, but I do wonder whether the long-term feud if they're going to keep the guys might be TK versus Travis Banks with TK as the baby face I've wondered that for a little while actually I maybe go the other route but no I can I can certainly see that coming and as we'll get into the main event uh, TK was kind of conspicuous by his uh, his absence but, mm. uh, with, <laughs> he was in the crowd that. cheering away <laughs> I bet you there was lots of people going up to him trying to get him to get involved. Uh, I'm sure there were. <laughs> he literally so, yeah, sat up was... with Dahlia on his lap during the main event. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, solid match, and I think Dahlia mm-hmm. looked. Although her offense was a little bit off, she looked okay. Um, yeah. But it was pretty much Tony Storm uh, winning clean with a it was like a double pile driver uh, that she likes to do as well. After the match, they had Ginny uh, attack Dahlia. So I think there's a obviously a story brewing there. Ginny conspicuous by her absence on a on a big progress show. You would you kind of think that they'd uh, maybe profile a little bit more, mm. or do you think they were just uh, waiting for this story and giving maybe that this was the this was the idea all along that maybe we'll go to a, a more long-term non-title feud uh, in the women's division for once it makes me wonder if tony storm's not booked for a couple of months is she uh, going to be tied up with stardom um is there something going on with wwe maybe don't know um but yeah maybe mm. this will get them through the next few months probably trying to look to put more sympathy on dahlia and see Ginny as the person to maybe put more sympathy on her mm-hmm. indeed yeah, okay. I, I, I would just say as well, I mean, one of the things that would have been good is, I mean, because they've now got quite a roster of women's wrestlers, it would have been interesting, maybe they had the one dark match uh, with Chuck Mambo versus Spike Trivet, and maybe that space could have been used yeah, I with, a, with a, I mean, I would say Ginny Laura Di Matteo, for example, I mean, or, I mean, there's any I number I think of- that's a match they see as like a big match, yeah. though, in a way, because of the characters and the history, so I do wonder yeah. whether, um, I don't know, um, maybe be like Ginny versus like a candy floss or someone yeah from the projo could have been something they mm-hmm. might have gone down the route of but yeah I, I wouldn't have minded seeing that actually it would have been something a little bit different mm-hmm. from a chuck mambo match yes <laughs> for sure moving on then uh, the next match where we waxed lyrical last month about uh, sorry 10 days ago about the possibility of who Zack Sabre Jr. was going to face and who was going to come out and we did the name did come up uh, Marty Skrull I thought the they executed it really well with the the rain on the screen and mm-hmm. there was a, a big a good package pop the, yeah it was there was a big pop wasn't there when the umbrellas appeared and then a bigger pop when the song hit and then a, a bigger one when his name hit the screen so I mean, on the one hand, it was it was great to see him back in progress. Um, this is a match that's got a lot of history, both in progress and in Rev Pro, and a match uh, we've all seen it a number of times. Uh, what did you make of it as a match? And were you uh, were you happy to see Marty Scale come out as Zack Sabre's opponent? I popped pretty big when it was Marty because if there's mm-hmm. one person in like wrestling, I'm a complete mark for at the moment. It's Marty. He's got a lot of goodwill uh, on my part after seeing him sort of grow into this. Over year, you know, over the space of a, a number of years, um, and I've just wanted him back in progress for the longest time. Um, so when he came out, I was really excited. The match was okay. They uh, kind of did their match in a kind of it's almost like their house show style match, if anything. Mm. Um, but ultimately, the match didn't mean anything, and it's not led anywhere. <laughs> that which, was the you issue. know was. Uh, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, ah, like, could they have used this opportunity? We mentioned Sexsmith on the last show. Could they have used this opportunity to make Sexsmith or to give it, or to have given someone like Sexsmith more legitimacy? Could they have put Zach Gibson in there and had Zach Gibson get over more as a heel as a result of beating Zack Sabre Jr. in a controversial manner? Like, I just think this was a, as much as I love Marty and as much as I'm a big fan of Zach and I get kind of why they did it, ultimately, it didn't really achieve anything, um, which is a shame. And Marty said goodbye to progress. Um, Marty's not been around since 
February. I think the Thunder Bastard was his last mm. match. So mm. it was kind of like, goodbye. I've not been here for a few months, but see you later anyway. <laughs> yeah. Hello and also goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the, just on the match, I, I'd share your opinion. I mean, I just found it just a bit indulgent and boring. Like you said, there was nothing to fight for. It was an yeah. exhibition match. And I, I kind of found myself watching the VOD with the surprise already spoiled, just thinking, just end already. <laughs> it yeah. was just, I mean, like you mentioned, it was cool to see Marty's promo after the match and him saying it was the last time you'll see him in a progress ring. I mean, I kind of, Links back to what we were talk- talking about at the start of the show. I mean, why is that? Why is it the last time we'll see Marty in the progress <laughs> ring? I mean, he's got a, if you believe the rumors, he's got a Ring of Honor contract he's about to sign. Don't think they've announced that yet, um, mm-hmm. but I believe that is the case. So that's why. But why does that mean he can't work progress? Is it something to it's do with he's the working. fact that- well, Sorry, better. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. I mean, what do you think? Is it because he's... Yeah, work in New Japan maybe a little bit more as well. Is it the WWE progress deal, which we're not allowed to consider or think about at any point? But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that that's yeah, that's then the case. Zach's allowed to work progress. He works New Japan. Works a main event this weekend, but he works Evolve. Evolve, you know, have the relationship with WWE. So, is it the Ring of Honor thing that bars Marty? Is it the Ring of Honor thing? That, is Osprey still signed to Ring of Honor? He's not been in Ring of Honor for forever. So I think his was a shorter term deal than even Marty. I think that was the story at the time. But it's the only real explanation, isn't it? Because Zack Sabre mm. is the old one out with this New Japan thing. So it's Ring of Honor. And yeah, I mean, progress they don't like to admit that uh, how much they're in bed with WWE but it must be a factor mustn't it? Yeah. it I just don't see any reason I mean there is part of me though that I kind of I watched this match and I did think that as much as Marty's built this villain character and it's gotten him over he was in danger a little bit of going stale in progress if he was yeah, doing this I type do of match every yeah, month yeah. would he suit the shows right now so there is that too that's a defence isn't it yeah. yeah I do completely get that I do think that he was possibly aware of that as well so maybe it's his decision we we can speculate all we want but Mm. who knows who knows but yeah I do think that yeah maybe he was in danger of um, maybe being in the position say Jimmy Havoc's in in progress where I just think he's there because he's Jimmy Havoc and he's not really adding a great deal at the moment and I think Marty is kind of he knows his character extremely well he's a smart guy I think he's really sort of ahead of the curve and ahead of a lot of the guys in the way he thinks about his character his approach to his character as well so yeah I sort of get it from his perspective if maybe he decided to even stop work in progress maybe who knows mm. yeah indeed okay moving on then talking of uh, Jimmy Havoc he was up next against Mark Haskins and Joe I'm going to give you the floor a little bit here because we talked a touch about progress chapter 54 and the, the go home roll or the go home smackdown that it felt like <laughs> for this big show and a big part of that was this mm. the final build for Havoc and Haskins and the, the video that they put uh, on Twitter about it I mean what did you make of the now that you've I know you've uh, recently seen chapter 54 what did you make of the build to this one what did you make of that go home show and and how did they deliver in this in this match when it came to to in the ring um right so from my perspective no interest whatsoever in this feud it just felt like a a feud like one of those feuds that you get month to month in wwe that i just wonder why i meant to invest in it you've got two guys who i'm a big fan of um Mm -hmm. 
and you've given them a story that just isn't inventive or interesting. There's never really been that much of a relationship between them in progress before. Um, and then we're sort of told that they do have this relationship that sort of comes out of nowhere. Um, it felt like the time when Rey Mysterio had a few with Cody Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes turned up, and apparently Dusty was like a father to Rey Mysterio. Never heard about that before. Don't know why I was meant to invest in that, because I'd never heard that. I'd heard about DDP and Dusty and all the rest of it, but never Rey Mysterio. Um, so it just felt like one of those random feuds that it was, it, I was sort of being told to care about. Now, the video package for me highlighted how mundane this feud had been ultimately. It just was like, ah, uh, like this is just another feud. Uh, one of the things I wanted to make a point on, actually, regarding the video packages, um, I did think the video packages, and I'll come on to this more in the main event, actually, but the video packages for the show, I thought really highlighted quite a lazy approach by the promotion. I, I thought all of the video packages made every match seem kind of the same. Um, and every feud just seemed like a feud, and they just felt like generic wrestling like video packages. Now, I thought that they really missed out on opportunities at certain points, and like I say, I'll come back to this on the main event, but this one, again, I, there was just nothing about it that made, made me want to care or invest in the feud, so... The first kind of five, ten minutes of it, I was just sort of like, yeah, oh, he's gone through some thumbtacks, cool, oh, that's happened. Whereas I should be really into this stuff. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just not a style of wrestling that I'm that into either. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's my issue with it, is yeah. I don't like deathmatch wrestling. It did get me towards the end. I did start getting a lot more into it towards the end. And both guys were working their asses off, so fair play to them. They were trying to make the most of the situation, and they're both really over in the promotion as well so that was good my favourite moment of the match was uh, Vicky Haskins ECW oh, valet yes. like <laughs> tribute which this I thought was summer. great um, she was awesome in that role at yes. one point I did think she was going to turn on Haskins which I was thinking oh my god don't do this if you do this like my god like it would be like that whole Melina Mick Foley crap from years ago in WWE um but I'm so glad she didn't. But she was awesome in that role, I thought, giving him the uh, barbed wire bat and all the rest of it. Yeah. And she, you could tell that she was enjoying doing it as well. So that, I thought, was a really cool moment. Um, but I did enjoy the match more than I expected. I'll say that. I got into it more as it went along. Um, I do think Jimmy Havoc is really stale at the moment. And his, his progress run is one of the things that made me really invest in the promotion and really love the promotion because it is it's some of the best booking and it's some of the best storytelling I've ever seen in wrestling and that just feels like there's something missing it kind of feels to me like he's living a little bit off former glories at the moment so I'm hoping that Jimmy can really find something to put his teeth into again because when he finds that something he's one of the best out there if you ask me in terms of storytelling I think that was what the difference was here. Mm. It felt like there wasn't a genuine grudge. It was just, no. it, it's not like, I mean, even Havoc a few months ago, as much as I, I've kind of been underwhelmed by him as a baby face, the death match of sorts he had with Pete Dunne in Manchester, that felt like there was a genuine grudge there and it was less played for comedy, which was kind of my problem with this match, really. It was just yeah. a lot of comedy in a death match and that's kind of what Havoc does. He works that into his matches. And sort of become a parody of himself to an extent, yeah, I find. A little bit like this King of the death matches stuff and as much as i would say i'm not 
into that side of it it did get a reaction and as you said i felt the same way it kind of built towards the end and the the crowd reaction peaked in the right place it was yeah. you know vicky haskins coming out and playing the what was her name tory sandman mrs sandman uh you play that character uh, francine and, or someone yeah, yeah. someone like that Dawn marie yeah so as much as we'll criticize the booking she was a big element of, of the story i mean i hated on chapter 54 the the comedy segment that was kind of there to put over the tree that was called townsend or whatever it was and yeah. oh, it was of, fucking awful god that's that was one told. of the worst things i've ever seen in the progress ring it was just <laughs> terrible sorry i think, I think- Progress kind of thought it as this, this genius booking that they've been sniping at each other and now they're going to make up um, and then they're going to fall out again and it just kind of took the wind out of the sails of the feud and I think a lot of people were, were hoping when this feud started that one or the other were going to turn heel maybe we'll get that at some point um, Do you think either really... of them have gained anything from this feud though? No that's yeah. fair it's <laughs> something to do isn't it? Yeah. The thing the is it's... WrestleMania feud Yeah. My, my problem watching it is I'm there thinking should they not really be doing this to sort of push themselves to the limit to be the number one contender mm. to be to get back the title that they both feel that they have you know and particularly in Haskins case where he's got that kind of built into the storyline that he had that he, he was forced to vacate it um, how does it compare with tournament of death style death matches though Benno uh, no, there was no um, bouncy castle. Oh, bouncy castle was a trampoline made of barbed wire, a cage of death, yeah. uh, a tournament of death. So uh, we didn't quite get to those levels with the uh, with the gun and the uh, the dinosaur weapon and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. It wasn't quite on that yeah. on that level. Um, I think they they did the best with the circumstances, and again, I think they got a a reasonable response. And I think it was right that the havoc won as well. It's yeah. As much as the comedy was there, it's his match, um, and he probably should win uh, a match like this. So, yeah, I guess we'll see where they go with these mm-hmm. two guys, but definitely two people who are who are spinning the wheels at the moment in progress, and uh, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Moving on, then uh, in the building, you got a, a lovely announcement that uh, we all saw on Twitter live. Uh, the progress were heading to keep putting Wembley in capital letters. I saw someone kick it off about that on YouTube as if. <laughs> As if they were making allusions that it was going to be Wembley Stadium. I think we all knew straight away it was the SSA Arena next door. I suppose oh, Wembley geez. sounds better. Yeah. Uh, it's not really something you can beat them over the head with. Um, again, uh, this is progress being very, very ambitious. It's a building that NXT ran uh, the tail end of last year, I think it was, or the year before. Yeah. Drew 10,000 people, uh, just over 10,000 people. I don't think progress are quite setting up for those numbers, at least not initially. Um, They've made the statements about they have a number in mind, which is good for them, but obviously they need to... Um they need to what kind of hit season? that. I, I suspect it's not far off what ICW ended up getting in the hydro of around 6,000. Um, so I'd imagine that that is quite, like that would be the the great figure to be to be getting there. Um, anything beyond that, I mean, it gets very difficult. I mean, obviously, with it being Wembley Arena as well, just say for anyone who hasn't been, we were there for the NXT TakeOver show. Yeah. Um, and I think the sight lines are really good. They haven't been to the um, O2 which is shite. Um, (laughs) Never again. This is much better, much better for wrestling. Issues going to be, we can't stand. Um, It's going to be very, very restrictive in terms of going in. And obviously there's a big price increase as well. I'm looking forward to sitting back a little bit. I've got to say, I'm hoping Mm. to actually be setting a kind of 
tiered seat if anything yeah. um be quite nice to watch from afar and watch it, what's going on in the arena if they get to the point where they're able to open those sections it kind of also highlights that there's a general problem that we have in this country in terms of having arenas that are let's say sort of around four to five thousand which obviously in the states they have because of it could be because of basketball particularly at sort of high schools college, and at college yeah, yeah. you know there's those access to those slightly smaller arenas ott have it because they, they use a boxing stadium for the national stadium so it's set up to have a ring in there as well and you've got tiered seating and you can fit just over i think just over about 2200 um we don't have that so the kind of next logical step from doing two and a half thousand and if you're going to do it in london it's kind of Wembley Arena Um, so going outside of London yeah there's other places they could go to what is Wembley like 9,000 for wrestling I'm trying to think I mean you hear 12,500 mentioned but I think really set off about 9 is it 9, 10 Benno 10 yeah but like I said NXT pulled just over 10 and I Mm. think that was a sellout or at least close to yeah pretty full in the building that night I'll say that I think they're being smart as well. That they're only putting so many seats on yeah. sale right now. Yeah. Although there is the knock-on effect of that, that it's the more expensive seats because obviously the cheaper, higher-up seats, they're not going to open up yet. No. So maybe we will see that uh, the cheaper seats come. I mean, do you think they can they can uh, hit that six thousand without help from Uncle WWE? Do you think we're going to get a lot of that? I mean, progress haven't really shown lately that the the very good at booking the the homegrown stuff. I can't think of a a big match that they could book with their own roster that would. In a year's time. In a year's time. Uh, I mean, things can change, can't they? Think about it this way. What would you have said would have been the main event of this year's show um, after Brixton Mm. last year? Because I wouldn't have predicted that um, Pete Dunne against that bloke who was doing well in Fight Club Pro, (laughs) but he was just tagging with TK Cooper in progress and wasn't even on the card last year, would have been the main event for this year. So uh, let's see what happens, I suppose. Um, Let's hope that they're able to make a star um, I don't know, who, who are Fight Club Pro making right now Amari I, I, I see Amari headlining Wembley next year yeah Chris Brooks there you go Chris Brooks is a heel I'd love to see Chris Brooks long term as a number one heel in progress I think yeah, it's a, yeah. It, it makes you also wonder as well do they have to spread further afield because I mean obviously this is going on the heels of sort of Rev Pro going slightly further afield and running Cardiff and running Leamington which you know um, do they? does it mean that progress need to look at other different parts of the country as well or is it going to be well i suppose they've got the middle of the country of birmingham yeah they've you've got, got the london they've got birmingham. the north in manchester the sheffield they're going back to sheffield mm. aren't they do they need to go further north to like a newcastle or somewhere maybe it, or <laughs> do they need to find somewhere else uh, in the midlands as well as birmingham who knows there are lots i mean there are lots of different angles that that that, that I mean, it's far too big for kind of us to think about how you go about advertising and marketing a show like this. Um, And also having to do it to, you can't get kids in. That's the other thing as well, because it's still like you have to be 14 or over as well. So immediately you haven't got those family audiences to go for as well, which kind of might be the issue if you're using WWE guys and running Wembley, but you can't actually bring kids. You know, there's those kind of things that you see still looking for that, adult, teenager, mature audience. I think John Briley's got an in in Silicon Valley who can sort of out with some good targeted advertising. There we go. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on then with this card. I mean, up next, we had a match that I personally wasn't looking forward to and I was completely wrong. The three-way match, Matt Riddle, uh, Volta and Timothy Thatcher. Oh. I mean, 
they put this match together and my immediate reaction was I would prefer any combination of these guys in a singles match mm-hmm. and I don't think it could have been more wrong I think this was <laughs> the best match on the card uh, yep. I don't know what you yeah, did yeah it was my match of the night same here yep absolutely I mean I'm I'm a massive like you know I'm a ridiculous riddle mark like it's obscene mm. um, I've never seen a bad Volta match I've seen bad Timothy Thatcher matches. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting. He kind of worked well as, even though he wasn't kind of like a big focal part of it. I don't know, for me, it felt like he worked as a nice link between the two. Um, you had, I mean, I, I kind of like the fact he comes out to a slightly different, they come out to slightly different themes, him and <laughs> him and Volta as part of Ring Camp as well. Um, but, you know, Riddle, you, what, you look at Riddle and... He's he's a he's a superstar in the making. I mean, he is. All I mean, you kind of think and he is a superstar. He is a superstar. It's going to be fascinating to see how he does in the World Tag League with Jeff Cobb because if Ghetto's what you know, obviously Ghetto will be looking at and thinking, we need this guy. We need this guy to be kind of almost the second face in America. Uh, watching Riddle here, I thought I honestly thought him and Walter were a notch above everyone else on the yeah. card honestly like they just felt like absolute superstars Riddle in my opinion should be headlining Wrestlemania why he's wrestling in front of 2,000 people at Ali Pally yeah. <laughs> um, like he has just got such a superstar I think that poor sub might have possibly gone to Wood Green is just don't, weird don't, for me yeah but. don't wish him away though I mean I'm glad no. that he's doing these kind of shows and I'm oh, glad me and you both that he's yeah. going to New Japan um, but I just feel I like mean, there's, so, there's so much he has to offer WWE and you know if it is the weed that's putting him off um, then they need a, to get a grip of themselves <laughs> it's a massive <laughs> they'd be alright in California um, and yeah. a couple other states but um, yeah I just thought Walter as well had such a star aura about him like the yeah. way he holds himself the way he puts himself across the execution of some of his moves as well Mm. like this you can tell that these guys have worked together a lot before as as well as Thatcher with both of them but at the same time they offer something else that everyone else on the card wasn't able to offer really and I'm a big fan of most of the guys in the card I think Pete Dunne is a massive superstar and has a lot of presence as a guy but these two had more presence than anyone on the card like there was something I felt during this mm. watching those two I didn't feel during any other match if I'm honest yeah this think- is this is the match that really perked me up sorry Benno yeah. I was just going to say I mean just just on that Joe point that, that like the three men who when they wrestle they constantly look like they're trying to win yeah everything yeah. they do every big move it, it's always realistic isn't it I mean you get so many of these kinds of three-way matches where somebody just lies on the outside and the other two do all the work and then we swap out. And although mm-hmm. we had elements of that, it was more Volta staying out the way so that he could come back and hit a big drop kick when the opportunity mm. presented itself or it was Riddle finding space that they were sent on off the top. So I think that is what you, you get out of these three guys. You get something realistic. You get a real fight, even if, you know, it's it's a silly three-way match, which I didn't think would work for three these three guys. And they, they genuinely did make it work, didn't they, JP? Yep, absolutely. Um, I have to say, it was uh, I mean, it was, I felt with Timothy Thatcher beforehand, I felt kind of really underwhelmed. But I think he really he lived up to his end of the bargain as just being a kind of a different glue in the middle of it. Personally, would I still have preferred Riddle versus Volta? Yes, that would have been yeah, what, what I fundamentally wanted. But 
this for me there was there was nothing bad Thatcher about was story. very good though he was before. very he very he played good. his part well in the yeah. match he was willing to bump as well he bumped a hell of he a lot did. during the match one of the things um, one of the other points that I would it's going to be a fascinating figure sorry he's going to be a fascinating figure over next, with his time in Germany working at the WXW yeah, sure. school how much time he's going to be over in the UK as well seeing what he does and hopefully develop his character and his style I've seen him recently I think maybe he felt that he was a little bit stale he was living off a sort of one style I've seen him kind of change up his style slightly recently adapt a mm. little bit more which I think he needed to do um, and fair play to him for doing it because I've enjoyed him a lot more for mm-hmm. it when I've seen him recently one of the other things I was going to say about um, this match as well was I think the guys in the match are much more a wrestler style that I'm much more into at this point in time as well um, I do like that kind of realistic hard hitting style mm. um, and I, I'm a big fan of New Japan um, I'm a big fan of Japanese wrestling generally down the years and Walter to me reminds is the closest in wrestling right now to an all Japan 90s heavyweight wrestler Yeah, um, I absolutely love that style possibly my favourite style of wrestling ever um, and you can see shades of like Kabashi um, Misawa in what Walter does as well uh, so that's kind of always going to get me and I think because I'm an MMA fan as well there's some even though Riddle doesn't incorporate well Riddle's entire offense isn't based around MMA stuff there is that kind of credibility and there mm-hmm. is that aspect that is there with his offense making it look real making it look believable that does kind of draw me into a match as well so I think it had that going for it also one last thing to add the Steiner screwdriver that finished the match was fucking awesome that was the <laughs> <laughs> the move of the night the Kishi driver I was going to go with. <laughs> <laughs> you were just just waxing lyrical there Joe about the hard hitting style and these being the types of wrestlers you like to see so you must have been made up when Volta <laughs> won the match and then Wolfgang <laughs> fuck me it's Wolfgang <laughs> was that the reaction in the building? That was. I right. I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter. People <laughs> laughing when Wolfgang came out around us. I didn't see that. I saw people get mental for him, and like yeah. we were all looking at each other like. Wolfgang, how are people reacting like this to fucking Wolfgang? No, like, I don't think Wolfgang's bad, but you've just gone from Matt Riddle and Volta to Wolfgang. Like, come on, it's it, yeah, he's maybe maybe in the WWE. It's Wolfgang. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, in the big man's defence, he has, as you as you noted there, he's actually been all right in WWE. <laughs> yeah, he's yes. had a, he's had a very good year, and he, I mean, enjoyed his match with Pete Dunne on NXT yes, the other way, but not to this level. He's not Riddle or Volta. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. We'll, we'll wait and see how, how that match delivers. But yeah, I was kind of laughing when I saw her on Twitter the, the alleged response and just generally the fact that, I mean, this is it's another WWE guy in progress. Um, I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say I'm particularly mm-hmm. looking forward to that match. Um, up next, uh, a match that was that felt a bit thrown together. Um, yeah. We talked earlier about the fact that Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskins, you would have imagined, would be more geared around who was the next number one contender but nope yeah. this was the number one <laughs> contenders match if you can believe it um this was the the big smosh match that we got i mean we talked earlier about perhaps jack sexsmith maybe he should have been in the zack saber junior match he should have been in the marty scale position mm-hmm. but we actually got him here it was the world championship eight-way scramble match mark andrews chief deputy don eddie dennis jack sethmith james drake morgan webster strangler davis and zach gibson um i didn't really enjoy this one very much watching it back on VOD. it just felt a bit thrown together it would 
probably be better served as an opener. It just felt like the, the get everybody on the card match. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, how did. did you feel about it in the building? Money in the bank without the ladders. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It really did. I mean, and it kind of, I'll be honest with you, it felt disappointing to see Jack Sexsmith in that spot. Sorry to harp on about it because I kind of think this is a guy who, you know, is one of their own and you want to kind of have in a, in a much more sort of prominent position um, I think they really missed like we said with the Marty match they really yeah. missed out on an opportunity to kind of make him next level and to kind of up that support that he's been getting from uh, from the fans really I did think i got to say I didn't think he was as over as he has been at ballroom shows in the last year or so so I do wonder whether that Sun article has had a bit of a negative effect on his uh mm. On his sort of overness in the promotion, which would which would suck if it has. There's uh, also the general issue that with with Ali Pali is a room as well mm. in terms of the acoustics that the sounds kind of you're not going to get that intense kind of ballroom atmosphere as well. So, which normally as we we've, we've all seen when you go to to a show and, and Sexsmith comes out, particularly at the ballroom as well, how the place just becomes completely unglued. Um, here, it's also because he's not got the divinals. Yeah. Honestly, I do think that the music played such a huge part of the entire act. And mm. I, do, I do, that's one thing we haven't touched on throughout this, but man, that music, it just makes such a difference. Like Mark Andrews' entrance, awesome, because he's got an original song, yeah. obviously done by his band. Um, everything else was just like, ugh. You're telling me you're not a fan of the Eddie Dennis "We Like to Party" song or whatever the hell it's called? <laughs> I don't think I he's a fan because in every other that's promotion, he still uses party art. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a big story, as you mentioned, JP. I mean, this match was mainly to set up uh, Mark Andrews became the number one contender. The, I don't think anyone believes he's going to win whatever title match he no. gets. He's the nearly amount of progress. The ad Morgan Webster teased turning on him. They probably went a bit too far with that. It was almost yeah. like Morgan Webster was half about to do it, unless they are teasing something in future and then it was Eddie Dennis with the, the big heel turn throwing drinks snorting on fans I mean do you think yeah. there's legs in it in any Eddie Dennis heel run in progress well I've got to say the whole the whole angle I thought was really well constructed yeah. uh, because I just didn't see this coming he came out of nowhere the Flash Morgan Webster tease was obviously happening you thought it was going to happen that second time doesn't happen I thought oh okay a bit of an anti-climax here comes Eddie Dennis I thought in the building they really constructed it really well and I uh, we all popped big time yeah. for it because it was just so unexpected it's not something I'd even considered uh, going into the match so yeah I thought it was a great moment yeah I mean it kind of there is I mean it, it does something interesting and new with Eddie Dennis um, something that I mean obviously in Rev Pro he's had a, a long going storyline about trying to kind of break, break his losing streak this is another um, way of kind of rejigging that character it helps now that he's obviously full time so he can, can be able to put some real sort of investment into this as well um I'm looking forward to it outside of that really other than the Gibson promo which I just have to say giving it to James giving James Brake Drake, Drake <laughs> oh, James Drake Gibson's promo doesn't change how I feel about James Drake. I don't think it which changes is how anyone feels about him. Apathetic, really. <laughs> well, here's the thing with that. I thought Gibson, as soon as he took the mic off him, was just awesome. Uh, Gibson's promo was possibly after the triple threat match, my favourite part of the entire show, mm -hmm. I've got to say, because I do just love Zach Gibson. I think he's a master at controlling that crowd as mm -hmm. a heel. <laughs> 
he throws certain things into the promo to change it up ever so slightly and surprise you at different points, which is just great because he's, you know, keeping it fresh at points as well and it might get a little bit old, a little bit stale. Um, but Jack, Gib- Jack Gibson? Zach Gibson, I've seen in Rev Pro in a little partnership with Josh Bowden on one of the cockpit shows and it was amazing when they were doing their what he was doing the promo and Josh Bowden kept saying bro throughout it and they seemed like this really natural heel partnership he played off each other <laughs> really nicely then in OTT Zach Gibson and Charlie Sterling I think are a really nice little unit as well and I think Charlie Sterling's a much better wrestler than um, James Drake and I think Josh Bowden's better than him as well um, but here you get the kind of third incarnation of that with a guy who's the weakest of those guys I've just mentioned but just so happens to have a WWE contract so I wonder why they're doing that I know they've got the training school together and they're obviously mates um, so Zach Gibson wants to get his mate over and progress want his mate to be over but I think it's it's a case of progress wanting to get his mate over isn't it I mean <sighs> you look at where we were a year ago a year and a half ago with Zach Gibson we all yeah. thought he was the next big thing in progress didn't we and now he's in a, a prelim tag team with bloody Jeremy ITV Drake. I do think that he's getting a little bit of his heat back I will say that I did feel more of a buzz on him after this it was the most I've sort of thought yes Gibson's going to be back um, like after this um, I just hope the thing with Drake kind of falls apart if I'm honest because he's he's got so much more to offer than being a mate of some bloke of a WWE contract who's in the company based on that controversial I agree <laughs> Moving on then, the main event. I mean, we've been somewhat critical of Progress's booking. The big stories coming in with CCK against British Strong Style, at least the tag team versions of both. Uh, we saw that paid off in the in the first match with CCK getting their second title win. Whether it was as big as the first is, is a question. We saw uh, Big Daddy Volta get his uh, Atlas Championship back. Again, might have been better if it was his first big win. And here we got to see Travis Banks against Pete Dunne long uh, we've been waiting for this one and this one it was straight up Travis Banks's first uh, progress title win he got a big response I didn't feel like he had the same heat that he did maybe a few months ago but Agreed. I think they mm. delivered nonetheless I mean what did you make of it all is this the the progress story we can point to and be a bit more contrary a bit less contrarian and say they delivered here and, and it all worked out for the best um <laughs> It would have been, potentially, if it didn't, frankly, turn into a Jeff Jarrett TNA title <laughs> match. That's a good With trip. multiple ref bumps <laughs> and shit tons of finishes. Um, I would have been nice for, for Chris Roberts just to go to um, British Strong Style. No, you're barred from ringside. Not going to be there. It's just going to be Pete by himself. Um, I get the story they were trying to tell, which is the whatever they're trying to do to put Travis Banks down, he's not going to be able to do it. Um, It also felt like some of a missed opportunity that it should have been made more obvious that his parents were there because they came into the ring afterwards as well. And and I think there's a there's a there's a natural story with Travis Banks of the guy who kind of up sticks from the other side of the world, come over and through blood, sweat, and tears 
has sort of reached the pinnacle of the promotion, is helping train lots and lots of great young British talent as well, and Australian talent. Um, the thing is, though, minute. JP, I mean, in his video before the match, we saw all that. We definitely saw a... No, we didn't. No, we didn't no, see any kind of no, sit-down no. interview with him. We didn't see... This is I what mean, I was going to say. Point, yeah. So earlier on, I was saying about the video packages and the lead-up to this, and I saw Glenn, I think, a couple of nights before, saying, like, this video package is amazing. I'm so excited for this match. Obviously, it's his promotion. He's going to do that. I watched the video package the night before and thought, this is another feud. This does not feel like this is um, the biggest match in company history. And Travis Banks just feels like a guy challenging a guy who also has a WWE title. Mm -hmm. Like this was, JP put it right, his parents were there. Why not do like sort of personality piece on this? Why not kind of define this as his destiny? Why not have sort of a sit down interview with Travis Banks? Why not go to the Fight Club Pro School and show him training students there and showing how he's like grinded every day in the, like in the gym with students, teaching students as well and what he could prove if he was to get to the top in British wrestling by winning this belt and how is you know it legitimizes him more in his students eyes as well how he's i think he's a bit older than people assume i think he's about 30 isn't he so he's been wrestling for years why not show clips of him wrestling in front of 10 people in new zealand they do exist Mm. you know i just i just thought to myself progress missed such an opportunity here and i wondered whether this was a result of them working with such a thin crew and overloading themselves with so much um they've run a lot of shows haven't they yeah but they took a kind of lazier approach to the video packages and as a result of not having maybe enough time or enough staff um they didn't think of ways that they could make travis banks stand out and make this match stand out you've got travis banks going up against this premier wwe guy okay why not also promote pete dunn alongside that as this like you know guy who's got a WWE title who you know um, has been wrestling for years as well wrestled the best match in WWE this year exactly and then here's this guy from New Zealand who's a little bit older than him who needs this opportunity whose parents have flown around the world who might have spent all of this money coming to see this moment he needs to win it for them so they haven't had a wasted journey and all the rest of it like they missed out big time on this one and they just turned it into another match it was a clusterfuck like let's let's be honest about it to me this is my i can't say i didn't not enjoy it Mm. but i was sort of enjoying it on the level of god this match is utterly ridiculous where is the overbooking gonna go next like the amount of bits here that like floor logic holes as well first of all pete dunn pete yeah pete dunn comes out of british strong star didn't british strong star lose in the opener why aren't cck there are they at the back selling like i don't know healing up or are they at the merch stand selling a few more t-shirts because they're Hot property at the moment there as well. It just didn't it make any sense. Like, come on, yeah. let's not insult us like this. Then we've got this old sledgehammer moment, which they made a really big deal out of, right? But then Chris Roberts suddenly has his George McFly from Back to the Future moment, <laughs> where he stands up to Biff Tannen and takes the bloody sledgehammers off him. Why is Trent Seven suddenly shitting himself over Chris bloody Roberts after months of you know being pushing referees around all the rest of it? Like, come on, this this was just. Just stupidity, it's absolute finest. I felt sorry for Travis Banks in a way. I don't know how he feels about it. He's probably, you know, enjoyed the match or whatever. But this could have been so much better. But instead they just kind of 
just kind of ticked off every cliche of what mm. they think a big match should be. And every cliche in the book, it reminded me of, like JP said, Jeff Jarrett level booking, but also some of the shit WCW pulled in the later years as well, where you just kind of, which i got to say I find incredibly entertaining looking at it, you know, um, in hindsight. But my God, like some of the interference, some of the overbooking, let the guys wrestle. Let it be a competitive match. Throw, throw, throw the overbooking, throw the interference in at a little point at the end, you know. Don't yeah. book the match around it. There were no real great sequences where they were allowed to wrestle in the match. This was just ultimately frustrating. I think, I mean, they went for high drama, didn't they, with all the mm. gimmicks? And I mean, I would, I'd argue that there was a bit of a stretch in the middle where there was there was kind of a point where I sat back going, these are two first-class wrestlers who were yes. having a first-class wrestling match. It was just a small window where that happened, like a mirage, and then we went back to, like you said, Chris Brooks being the, the super baby face and the endless uh, interference of British Strong Style. And I mean, part of me kind of appreciated, I mean, I've been a big critic of all the Triple H spots the british strong style do and part of me was kind of saying well if this is its zenith i'm fine with it if this is where we've built to it this is the end this is the last time i'm gonna see pete Dunne with a sledgehammer in his hand and doing pedigrees i know it's not i'm gonna go to fight club pro next week and he's probably gonna be doing it there as well unfortunately um and i, kind I did of love the it. kick out on the pedigree at one mm, yeah and i like the pedigree on the apron as well it was kind yeah. of yeah that was cool they, that was cool they were trying to tell a story weren't they of banks rallying and done desperate hitting pedigrees on the apron and having his mates interfere which they definitely did about 10 too many times uh, <laughs> yeah. over what they, they could have done and it did though feel i mean towards the end the crowd did get into it you were getting yep you can't beat him chance and it did its job um it probably just could have done it uh, it could have done it better yeah yeah it, it could have it could have been more efficient couldn't it and it I think, as we said at the start of this i mean there was nothing on this show that was bad and I think the issue that, that we all I have know, with in, this is in the, hindsight, I do think that I, the more I think about this match, the more I think it was bad. The like th- it wasn't badly worked, but the lay it was the layout of it. It was yeah. like the match starts. Oh, we're going to do that bit where we go into the crowd and wrestle in the crowd a bit. Now here comes the sledgehammer spot. Oh, now here comes some more mm. interference. Now here's the uh, Travis Banks boys to save him, and it just felt so cliched in many ways. And it felt like Progress did this last year in the Brixton main event, which yeah. I thought was the most incredibly but main event I'd ever seen as well. Three ref bumps was there in this one. I think bringing it back to like, I, I, and I agree with this. And I think it's it's part of the, the issue that I, I know I have is having seen the match they had in Fight Club Pro and then putting it alongside this, where that had some overbooking in it. It was overbooked to fuck, yeah. but it worked in that environment it worked more in so, it, and, and it was worked at a sprint pace. Yeah. It was complete, it was a different context. There were memorable exchanges. Well. Yeah, there were. Mm. And it was so intense in that 200. Yeah. Uh, 200 um, capacity venue as well but it's sort of were, and there were kind of longer term storylines that were kind of multi-layered that they threw in there mm-hmm. as well whereas there didn't this to me just didn't feel like a feud it just felt like um, well I won this tournament I've got this belt so less of a feud and I've got a budget to bring over Keith Lee and Don and a few other people <laughs> and I'm just going to get guys in the pro yeah sorry <laughs> 
I mean, they did the best. We, I mean, on the commentary, I would say as well. In they were trying to put over that you know Dunn kicked out of a sledgehammer shot. Or, sorry, um, Banks kicked out of a sledgehammer slot, and they were making out like it was the the biggest deal in the world because nobody kicks out of sledgehammer shots, and it was just just a bit tryhard. I think we came up with the when we talked about Lucha Forever a few months ago, we were kind of saying it was just a lot of their booking is kind of overthought, um, and that's kind of what this was. I think there were elements of a good match in here. There were elements of of good ideas in mm-hmm. there. So I personally wouldn't totally write it off. Overall, I would say I enjoyed it, but I probably would have pulled back on a lot of what they did. It was nice that uh, it was a clean win, at least at the very end of it, when uh, Travis Banks yeah. won with it with his cross face um, and done tapped, and you kind of got. I don't know if you noticed live the uh, nod of respect from uh, from Pete Dunne to, uh, to Didn't Travis actually, Banks. No. no, I've heard yeah. about it since. Yeah, kind of gave him a bit of a nod, walked off, and you could kind of see him in the background waving to the crowd as well, which was well, something. So it looks like that, I mean, we are at the end point, which I know something has been reported that they're going to be brought up kind of full-time November. That that, that might be the, the point. And on, NXT, and on NXT TV, they've kind of hinted at that they might be part of a kind of first feud in a way. I mean, between the three of them, I'm not quite sure what the dynamic's going to be, but against the Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly team. So it felt like a bit of a farewell, which... Then kind of, you know, there's a lot of interesting directions set up after this show of where it goes. So it feels like the kind of end of the British Strong Style era. It does. So where it goes from here and and I think, and this is sort of feeding onto Joe's point as well about the missed opportunity in terms of having just a really good, like, wrestling match that these two can have without any of the bells and whistles. That would be the kind of champ that I kind of think that it would be good for them to go for. But there's also bells and whistles, and then there are multiple bells and whistles. Yes, there are. And there, this yeah. was like, you know... It's like we've crash-landed into a bell and whistle shop. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you just made a really good point there, JP. I think that's the title run we're going to get from Travis yeah. Banks here. I think it's the title run I wanted them to have in Fight Club Pro. I mean, we don't yeah. often criticise Fight Club Pro, but I think they really blew it by taking I think so. their yeah, belt off him and putting yeah. it on Chris Brooks, who seems to just wrestle exclusively in tag matches. Um, I hope the progress do a better job. Um, and they, I could imagine a Bret Hart style run touring champion yeah. touring babyface having nice clean matches no pedigrees in sight no uh, sledgehammers no trick need to do it for a bit bottles. One, imagine a world one thing i'll say though is progress don't seem to like babyface um t- world title runs so you think about how long babyfaces have held that title for and the entirety of the promotion osprey for what three or four months maybe no no it's about five months wasn't it? it was july to January, I want to say. Mark Andrews for a couple of minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, other than that, uh, Haskins for like two Eva months. for a month. Eva for a month. So in the history of the promotion, they've got a bit yeah. of a rep at sort of having short babyface runs with the title. But yeah, mm. it would be nice to see him have a few uh, sort of major defences, um, some nice clean matches. I'd like to see a Chris Brooks turn on Travis Banks at some point mm. and then maybe go with CCK against a South Pacific power trip with Chris Brooks possibly... Uh, grabbing the belt off him at some point because I think he's sort of bubbling under sort of waiting to explode and I do think CCK as much as I'm a big fan of him are a little bit boring as baby faces I think they've got a lot more to offer as heels in progress yeah indeed 
Right, well, I think that pretty much uh, brings us to the end of, of our review there of Progress uh, and their big show for this year. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on before we go? If they book Walter versus Keith Lee for October 29th, I'll definitely go. That's a match <laughs> that will get me back to the ballroom. Book Indeed. it, please. <laughs> Unless, <laughs> I'm sure the card's finalised already. <laughs> okay so uh that's pretty much it i mean the one thing i do want to say before we go uh on the indicorner.com uh there's a few uh, decent reviews and articles up there at the moment we mentioned the bram story that was there um there's also uh, an article on the age of the fall uh from no. the ring of honor fame not brit res related but senior lariato uh, put that up there on the on the website a good read if you both had the chance to have a look at that yeah to flick through it um i mentioned man up earlier which is where they debuted after the ladder match between Steen Erica and the Briscoes I mentioned still remember the morning after that happened like seeing images online and just kind of losing my shit and being like oh my god this looks incredible remember the whole build to it as well with um, the Project 161 and all the rest of it it's a shame because the age of the fool I do feel peaked at that moment in Ring of Honor and then never really recaptured what happened in that kind of one moment and ultimately it was the age of the fool that really kind of turned me off Ring of Honor <laughs> in 2008 <laughs> when I kind of I wasn't following as much I went to a couple I was living in America in 2009 went to a couple of Ring of Honor shows over there and I just remember the Age of the Fool stuff at that point being so bad like so so bad same both it was kind of like my Ring of Honor fandom was was fading and that was kind of the one thing I remember seeing the images online of that that famous image of of uh, what you call it, Jimmy Jacobs, covered in the blood of Jay Briscoe in his, in his lovely mm. white suit, and thinking, oh, Ring of Honor is going to get great again. And it was kind of like Gabe's last stand, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it was kind of the last big, great thing that he did was the build-up to that. And, but hey, it was, there are there are glory days, aren't they, Joe, of, of fandom? Oh, we can only, uh, well and truly. <laughs> <laughs> I think as much as we give progress fans grief, we were probably uh, quite similar. No, in our, we weren't that bad, days. mate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I was we'll never see. that blind, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that wraps us up for another show. You can find me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Where can the good people find you guys? Uh, Lemsip four Ps and JP JP JIP Triple E. Awesome, and that's us for another month. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again soon. Bye bye. See ya.